film 1971. Welcome to the Weak Points Film Club with Rich and Nick. Each week we'll pick a film from a specific year and give them our review. If you've listened to the main Weak Points podcast, you'll know we started in 1970. And this year it's the turn of 1971. And Nick, you chose a very special film for me, didn't you? Yes, I did. I chose the seminal Harry Essex classic from 1971. 1971, I could have picked A Clockwork Orange. I didn't. Yeah. I could have picked The French Connection. I did not. Yeah. I could have no. picked Dirty Harry. Yeah. But instead, I went for <laughs> Harry Essex's unfilmed Harry Essex Octoman. Yes. Harry Essex's film Octoman, which stars somebody called David Essex, who isn't the David Essex that yeah, we Yeah, I was know. really disappointed. I mean, that's how that's that's what kind of level it was at. It, it had somebody called David Essex in it, who wasn't David Essex. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was. It was um, a, a big disappointment that we didn't get the, uh, the, you know, yeah, David Essex, yeah, 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 yeah. Damn it, Silver Dream Machine. Oh, Silver Dream Racer. Ah. <laughs> um, it had all the hallmarks of being a quite an entertaining film, Octoman, because we both like a bit of a shit creature feature film. Yes, indeed. Um, and it had special effects, or at least the creature special effects were done by Rick Baker, yep. who has won seven Academy Awards. Yeah, Rick, Rick Baker. Um, um, the first time I remember seeing anything by Rick Baker was um, uh, the American Werewolf in London. The, yes. the whole transformation sequence, which at the time fascinated and scared the shit out of me. It came out yeah. in 81, and I think I saw it when I was maybe 12 or 13, and I was utterly terrified by it. It was amazing. Yeah. That's that's Rick Baker, so, you know. Well, it, Rick, Rick Baker won the first um, special effects award for what he was doing in that year. There hadn't been an Academy Award for it before that. So they basically invented an Academy Award for how good he was yeah, yeah, yeah. in with American Werewolf in London. Wow. And I mean, he's worked on um, Star Wars episode four and five. He's done all the Men in Black series, Harry and the Hendersons. He's done some amazing work. And like I say, seven Academy Awards. And this, well, so Octoman... Octoman was his first film, yeah. his first foray into professional film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he didn't design the suit for Octoman, um, <laughs> but he did. He did make it, and he was involved in the film you, throughout. Can, can we talk now, or do you want to wait until you start unraveling the plot? Do you want to talk a little bit about the suit, or do you want to wait? I'm gonna no. We'll we'll go. We'll we'll pick up the suit as we okay. head into the narrative. Okay. So Octoman, it's um, it's a very up-to-the-minute story about the devastating effects of man-made pollution on yes, the environment. Yes, absolutely. And things that be- can become irreversible. And things that we all... We need to think about these things right now. And we need to be doing something about them right now. And there needs to be research into yeah. them. And we all need to be aware of what we're doing as people yeah. to our delicate ecosystem yeah. we join our um our scientist our heroic scientist yes. who's in, in investigating um what the effects of what could possibly be radiation on, on the water system um in latin america there's been some, isn't it? in latin america yeah sorry because uh, there's been some um unusual things recorded 
in this particular area of Latin America. Does it actually say where it is in Latin America, no. or is it just generic Latin, generic America? Latin America? Yeah, generic Latin America. I thought it was, yeah. Because the, the accents throughout are generic Latin American, aren't they? Yes, they're, they're as good as me and you could do. Yeah, I think in so, fact, yeah. if we'd have been the right sort of casting age, you know, yeah, hey, senor, oh, yeah, I see something in the water. I think I'd have got the yeah, you know, we'd have been in it. We'd have it's, been... it's very much to that level, yeah, it really was. yeah. In fact, not as good in some instances. No. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, we, we find our heroic scientific team in generic Latin America um, investigating the strange um, reported occurrences at this lake. Um, what they find is there's um, an odd um, octopus-like creature yeah. there, but it seems to be some kind of genetic mutation. Yeah. Um, so they... they um, it's got, <laughs> we it's, see... It's got cat eyes, hasn't it? Or sort of weird... Yeah. Yeah. Very odd eyes, yeah. um, and it's got an odd way of moving through the grass, which we <laughs> we we see yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, it it looks al- the way it moves through the grass. It looks almost like it's being pulled along by a fishing line. Yeah. in some way, and, doesn't and you, it? But you'd be a fool and a and a, and a fascist to think that because yeah, clearly, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Rick Baker, seven Academy Awards. Yeah, that creature. It's phew. yeah. It's definitely not. A rubber moulded plastic um, octopus no. with eyes painted on in yellow. One hundred percent, not that. No, no, no. no. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, um, they capture it and they want to um, take it back for investigation, um, so they can find out what's going on because something fishy is going on. <laughs> um, so um, the e- now then, but it's making might, a keening sound, isn't it? It's, it's making. Uh, a, oh, it a, cries like a, a baby bird, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's most odd. Now they go, then they go back to um, they go back to the states, the US, don't they? Yes, to, to, to consult. Um, with the head of uh, marine biology, yeah, the the head of yeah, not 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 the head of a particular university's marine biology department, just the head of marine biology. Yeah, 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 and we know this because it's on a sign outside a building um, <laughs> that's definitely just not been made up at all. Um, and you can tell that he's the head of marine biology because when we find him, he's um, he's in. What looks like a pet shop. Um, <laughs> there are several aquariums all around him. Small ones. Fish tanks. Yeah. Very small. Yeah. Very small. Um, they're all lit aquariums. And they've all got basically the kind of fish in there that you would find at like pets at home. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're like very small, like goldfish, yeah, guppies. A, yeah, shabunkins. There's a couple of shabunkins. Yeah, yeah. they're all that, that kind of thing. Yeah. The kind of thing that somebody who's on minimum wage might fish out with a little net for you <laughs> and let you take home without any credentials. <laughs> that kind of fish. So, But he <clears throat> deems them worthy of study because he's at that kind of level, probably. Um, and he perches on, I think, the edge of a table with um, a notepad on his knee. Mm. And then he looks like a scans at fish, and then he'll 
kind of nod sagely and then write something down on his yeah. pad. <laughs> that's yeah. before our heroic scientist comes in. Yeah, but that's that's some Harry Essex magic. That that is classic Harry yeah, Essex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he just said, yeah. "Tell you what, pick up that pad there and make a note about the fish." Doesn't matter what you write. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, matter. yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll yeah. look brilliant. The guy's like, what, what, "What's my uh, what's my influence? What's my backstory?" And he's like, "You're the head of marine biology. You think about fish." Yeah. And he was like, "I'm there. I'm there already." Yeah, yeah. You couldn't have given me a better surroundings than all these fish. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, but can yeah. we get it filmed quick because they shut at five? <laughs> <laughs> or or the open at nine. It's yeah. one of them, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's not just the head of marine biology on his own, though. Come on, he's got an assistant. Yes, he does. He he's does. got a very capable assistant. Yeah. Yeah, and you can tell he's a very capable assistant because he's got what he's he's a very tall, a slender white person with an afro and a beard. who has has got a beard. He's wearing a white coat, yeah. and he looks about nineteen. Yeah, it looks a bit like George Lucas, <clears throat> a very thin, tall version of George Lucas. Yeah, he does. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like he's doing it part time outside his college studies. Yeah. So our scientist brings in our unusual octopus um, and he's brought in in a bucket with some water in it. And then then the next thing we see, they're examining the octopus. Now, um, given that the octopus is dead um, uh, and they're in in, um, a scientific environment with the head of marine biology, you'd think that what they would probably do is maybe lay it out on a table... um, perhaps even put it under a microscope or something um, just so they can better assess what's going on. Measure it, maybe. Yeah. Take some photographs or something like that. Because mm. um, there must be a lot that goes into investigating a, a possible genetic mutation well, of let's be honest, sea life. He's, he's making copious notes about shabunkins and, and sticklebacks, yeah. isn't he? So, so yeah. you know, something a, dis- a breakthrough like this... Whew, yeah, when you get a yellow-eyed octopus in there, yeah. it's like, drop your pad, I'm over there. Yeah. But what they do is they get um, they get what looks like um, a, a spare fish tank and they fill it with milky, <laughs> milky water, yeah. milky-coloured water, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they just rest the rubber octopus on the surface. It yeah. can't sink because it's rubber. <laughs> So it just lays, it just bobs around on the top of this milky coloured water while they all look at it. Now, you would think also, stupidly, um, these were different times, we've got to remember. This was 1971. Um, The head of marine biology, he's incredibly cynical for some reason about the possibility that man-made things could affect sea life. Yes, he is. He doesn't believe it. No, he's a flat earther. He's a flat earther, and he shows how he doesn't believe it by putting his foot on the table so his knee's quite high, and then he puts his hand into the milky water and then brings it out and then rubs his fingers together and then talks about how uh, this could be anything, it's just a freak one-off, and there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that there's anything affecting the yeah. sea life there. Yeah. Frankly, Rick, I don't see any relevance between this and your current field mission. Which does lead you to think, well, what the fuck are you doing then, mate? What, what's, what's your what's your job then? Yeah, You're you talking yourself out of us. A... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sack it off then, go home. Yeah, I mean, you were writing writing all that stuff about those goldfish. Yeah, yeah. Unless he was writing, unless he was pricing them up for when the shop opens. 
which is another possibility. Um, but then we get some sage words from um, thin, our, jo- thin George Lucas. Thin George Lucas. Yeah. Now oh, I can't remember what he fucking said, but it was it. <clears throat> he said it in. Um, he said. I, I, said it in a very still, an incredibly stilted way. He did, yeah. I, almost like he was not an actor. And they, almost, he'd yeah. been walking past the pet shop that morning and said, oh, I've, I'm, I'm here to buy a couple of uh, Terrapins. <laughs> yeah. just, could you just yeah. come in? Just come in. Can I get the Terrapins? Yeah. No, no, no. Just just say this. Now, earlier on, I, I, because I, I made a note of this, when they first had the rubber uh, octopus in a bucket... One of them stared, and there was a close-up shot of this thing. There was the screaming, keening yeah. noise of the creature, uh, yeah. but it wasn't moving. It was very, very still. Um, and one of them looked at looked at the other, and then looked back at the octopus and went, "There's a brain behind those eyes." Yeah. Which you know, no, 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 there isn't. The eyes don't fucking move. No. Anyway, when they were in the in the lab with with um, you know the head of marine biology. Uh, the bearded guy who'd just come in to buy some terrapins said something along the lines of, "This could exp- this could be the next evolutionary leap. This could teach us so much about uh, our our next evolutionary journey, or something like that, or the next evolutionary chapter." Yeah. Um, yeah. Because clearly, uh, the script has decided that this bloke thought that a human octopus hybrid. Yeah. was a better and more practical yeah. uh, physical form than the one that has taken millions of years of evolution to, to create. I think the possibilities are endless. Something like this could lead us to the basic structure of life itself, even reveal some shift in the evolutionary process that can create something half-man, half-sea creature. John, won't you at least give it consideration? Yeah, it does stand to reason. I mean, there wasn't really anything special about that rubber octopus, was there? Apart from the eyes that they painted on it. Yeah, just some... It yeah. didn't make you think, this is unlike any other octopus I've ever seen. Apart from the fact that it stayed in the same shape all the time because it was made out of rubber yeah. and it was moulded. Yeah. There was nothing that really made you think, fucking hell, look at that! Yeah, yeah nothing. Um, That and the way it skated through the grass as if it was being pulled along but, by but, fishing but, line. But wasn't. But you know, but wasn't. We must be but, clear. no, 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 it wasn't. It was like that. It was like but, that, but wasn't. But wasn't that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what does our um, scientist hero do? He's fucked, really, because he does need to get as fast as he can back to generic Latin America. Yeah, but he hasn't got the funding now because the head of marine biology. Um, he doesn't want to do anything about it. He wants to spend all his money on fish food for yeah. his pet shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sub that so he has to get his, his <laughs> Yeah, he's probably thinking about branching out into getting a, an area for rabbits or and guinea pigs. <laughs> um, so he, um, our scientist hero, then has to um, look for other kinds of funding for his expedition. Yes, he does. Um, so the next logical step is to go see a guy who has got a ranch, um, but also some kind of carnival thing where he, he's interested in funding this expedition because yeah. the f- thing that they might find he can use as some kind of freak exhibit in his carnival yeah. thing. That's basically a bit like the Ripley's Believe It or Not tent at Hull Fair. 
isn't it? Ki- kind of. Yeah. But we don't see any evidence of that, do no, we? No, we never we never see what Johnny Caruso, for it is he, no. uh, as presented yeah. in his in his uh, in his previous freak show. No. <laughs> There's lots of like men in jeans with plaid shirts and horses running around. The, yeah, like and cowboy hats. Yeah, like they filmed it at their mate's ranch. But they didn't, yeah. obviously, because it was a very expensive... No, 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 yeah. no. Um, and the, the entire conversation happens where all these horses are, and then he agrees to fund it, and so then they all go. So there's Johnny Caruso and his sidekick. Yeah. I don't know what he's called. No, I can't It's not right important. There. No. It's not important. No. They don't really develop and any some, of the And some wranglers go with them, don't they, as well? Some wranglers. Yeah. Um... And they've got a lady scientist who goes with them as well. Yes, indeed. A, be- a beautiful lady scientist. Yes. Who turns out to be quite a philosophical lady scientist. <laughs> and spiritual. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So they go to generic <laughs> Latin America. They've got their um, generic Latin American helper, haven't they? Yes, they do, played by David Essex. Played by David Essex, very convincing. Yeah, I thought. And, and, but but the the great thing for me, and 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 again, a bit of Harry Essex magic. Harry Essex is David Essex's dad, um, but you'd be a <laughs> fool is, yeah. to think that he decided to give their David a part in the film just because he was their David. No, no, this no, guy, no, no. this guy is so immersed in his method. He so yeah. transforms himself into the Latin American yeah. character. That yeah. what did he choose for his name of his character? Davido. So it was David, Davido. Just, just with an O on the it's end. Davido. Davido. Yeah. That well-known Latin American yeah. slash Welsh name, Davido. Probably seen last acting like that in the early days of uh, BBC's El Dorado. I think oh, potentially, yeah, absolutely. Um, he may have been in it. Who knows? It was a, anyway. It was a beautiful, touching portrayal that he did of a generic yeah. Latin American. It was wonderful. Um, so he helps them out, and um, he has some kind of special affinity with this creature. He understands the creature, Senor. He understands. He does. Yeah, yeah. He knows what to do. He knows how to yeah. track him as yeah. well, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He's got tracking ability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even though the living water is. Yeah, got he's basically ability. like t- Sherpa tensing, isn't he? It, it, effectively, he's the Sherpa tensing of this yeah. film. Yeah, except he'd have to be called David Tensing. David, he? T- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sherpa David Tensing. So they all go yeah. off to find. They off, basically they all go off to find this creature. Um, they hear a lot of screeching. Um, the creature comes back for the small baby Octoman. Um, he is. He attacks people. He attacks the people to get the baby Octoman back. Um, <laughs> the, it has to be understood at this point that the the baby the baby Octoman octopus Octoman Octoboy? thing. Octoboy, Just it just looks like a normal octopus, but with yellow eyes. Whereas Octoman. We first meet Octoman <laughs> right at the very start of the film. Yes, we do. Well, I mean we. Before we even see Octoman, right at the very start of the film, the entire start of the film is made up of just stock footage, <laughs> stock stock library footage from all different locations. It's all different lighting, all different media, and this happens all the way through the film. Yes, it does. 
So there's a load of stock footage of various things like flying boats going over lakes and shit like that. They're not even from the same year. It's all (laughs) from different periods in history, it appears to be, with an awful voiceover. And then, um, so then we get to, they show Octoman. So there's no, there's no, like, um, hidden surprise no, no build up there's attention no to it no, no. there's not like oh it's a hint of a tentacle or something or it's all in the dark or can't even make out what it is but it's some kind of creature that we're going to see later on no they basically they just show this bloke and he's in um he's in an octopus suit he's in the kind of octopus suit that you think oh if i want if somebody says i need to go to a fancy dress What's the theme? Oh, it's under the sea. Well, I'll, I'll go as an octopus then. I'll just type in octopus suit. That would that would come up. It's, full, it's absolutely awful. Um, so the octopus suit itself that poor Rick Baker was involved in, um, it has to be said, he didn't design it. No, it was Somebody already done, wasn't it, when he and, came and on board? He, yeah, and he made it. He basically was just brought on to make it. Um, the octopus suit. So there's very obviously a man inside the octopus suit. Um, it's got the eight tentacles. So the two main ten- the two main tentacles. He's got his arms in them. So whenever he does anything, you can quite clearly see his elbows very, very, very prominently. There's a crease in the tentacles where the arms bend yeah. and the elbows become prominent. Then his next set of arms are just underneath his his normal arms, and they just come kind of come out from his waist, and they basically just hang limply, kind of well semi flaccidly yes, yes, out from yeah. the suit, don't they? Yeah. I won't say they're limp, but there are there is some tumescence to it. Yeah, them. a vague tumescence. It's it, it the directionless. Yeah. I would say. So um, his next his next set of tentacles, you would think, well, they're going to come off his hips. Because he's he's done his actual arms, he's done his waist. It's probably going to be a little bit lower. He's going to do him off his hips because if you did legs any lower, that'd be weird because they'd have to come out of his actual legs. So um, what they thought was, no, we'll take him outside of his actual legs. So his next set of tentacles come out from his knees, <laughs> and for some reason they're not as long as the other tentacles. <laughs> they're about I don't know. 18 inches long, whereas the ones coming out of his arms are like three foot long. So then the final set of tentacles are his legs. There is, there is, they're just his legs covered in, in tentacle, um, <laughs> tentacle suit. So I've seen an interview with Rick Baker and he did say that he brought this issue up at the time when they were making the suit and he wanted to change it. He said, um, like, if I just do tentacles all down his normal legs, then when it gets to his feet, his feet are going to have to be, there's going to have to be a bend where his feet is, and then the tentacle carries on, and it's going to look like he's wearing, like, Aladdin slippers. <laughs> um, so, um, the, the uh, well, I'm assuming it was the it was Harry Essex, had said, don't worry about it, mate, don't worry about it. Um, just make them out as they are. Aladdin slippers or not, it's fine, because I'm shooting the film, we're not even going to, have any images of his feet it's all going to be in the dark you're not you're not really going to see anything below the knee Classic so the, the the small tentacles coming off his knees it won't it won't be so obvious because you won't see the end of them because they'll be in water or out of shot yeah 
So obviously Rick probably went home feeling, well, that's fine. And that saves me a lot of ball ache thinking about how to make the feet look good or how to make those weird things coming out the side of his legs look good. And then the the first time you see Octoman, pretty much the first thing you see is the Aladdin slipper feet. It focuses on the, the, the Aladdin slipper tentacle feet and the weird tentacle coming out of the knee almost entirely for about the first five minutes, showing you walking along. He practically zooms in to the Aladdin slippers, doesn't it? Yeah, yes, it does. And for some reason, the it's got tentacles, uh, suction suction on them, um, which obviously it would do, being an octopus hybrid. But the suction bits aren't like at the back of the tentacle where they would be on an octopus. They're kind of at an awkward side, inside, but not quite... They're all off-centred. It's a little bit like if you've been knocking around the house in, your, in like football socks and they start turning round your feet and then after after about three quarters of the day you think, oh, actually, my heel is now like on the side of my foot and then you just turn it back around again. Well, the tentacles are like that, but just all the way through, yeah. all the time. But um, um, but we, we have saved the best to last because let's not forget how it feeds. What about its head? What about its mouth? Yeah. So it's got a massive head. Well, I mean, octopuses have got quite a big head, haven't they, anyway? But he's got a massive head, and it's got all veins on it, which mm. I think are supposed to insinuate that he's really clever. It's got this massive head, so it's all brain, isn't it? Well, I just thought it, it made him look like an enormous gonad. I, I wasn't really sure about the, yeah, the brain. Yeah, there is that. Uh, but, Maybe. Uh, yeah. Like he's got some kind of, of testicular swelling. But it could, it could have been brains, could have been bollocks. I mean, you know, He's got, isn't that the isn't that the the, the thing that Harry uh, Harry Essex was was struggling with thematically? Is it brains? Is it bollocks? Yeah, it's the story as old as time, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Um, so he's got he's got some big old eyes on right on the front of his face, yeah. almost human like, um, but then his mouth is just a it's it's just got a big round. Perfectly round, like a paint pot, uh, isn't it? Like a little, like a paint pot. Yeah, and it is. It's perfectly round, and it's always open. His mouth, yeah. and it ne- it never moves. It doesn't matter what he's doing; it never moves. Nope. And then inside, on the inner edge of his mouth, it's um, entirely teeth, sharp, <laughs> jagged teeth. Even at the what you would have at the corner of your own mouth. That's teeth as well. It's, it's basically just all teeth, but they're all really small. And because his mouth never moves, the teeth never meet. So he could never bite anything no. because he can't move his jaw for some reason. So he permanently looks quite surprised about everything. Or really doing like a really camp, ooh, all the time. <laughs> that that never changes. Yeah. No. And he can't, he can't obviously turn his head unless he turns all of his body. Yeah. Because the suit didn't allow it. The eyes don't move either. No, no, they moved once. They moved once. Oh, at, yes, at they did. At one point, there was a close-up of the eyes, and they just moved yes. a little bit. And I would imagine that was the last of the budget gone. So we'll put that shot in last, because yeah. the eyes, we finally got the eyes to work that one day. We'll keep that yeah. shot. And again, peppered throughout the film, um, there are numerous times when they drop back to the stock footage so they're in generic latin america so then they'll 
clipping some bits of film that look like they're taken from perhaps generic Latin American tourist board <laughs> films of like yeah. mountains and trees and shit, birds. Yeah, um, an alligator slipping into a. Does an, yeah, the alligator thing is is amazing. There's an there's a a little bit of, I think like four little clips of an alligator, but it's not an alligator. It's four different alligators, <laughs> all shot at different times of the day because they're all, it's four different bits of stock footage. So this alligator kind of jumps all over the place because it's swimming at one speed, then it's swimming at a different speed. It's patently in a different location on each occasion. Um, so all of that kind of goes on all at the same time. Um, so they do like to, it does like to fall back on that. And again, that was very obviously a budgetary requirement. Yes. Um, luckily, it doesn't take you out of the film, does it? I oh, never, no. no. I was always, I was always involved. You're, in, you're, in, you're engaged. But, I mean, the, the, uh, the, the clever trick, I think, that Harry Essex pulls, uh, just to, I suppose, encourage a child's audience or a younger audience, is to ensure yeah. that Octoman is the most unfrightening Unthreatening, yeah. scary creature yeah. uh, in the history of celluloid. I mean, it, it's it's quite fascinating how unthreatening it is. It moves so slowly. Yeah. It's really quite obvious, and yet, and again, here's the magic: it can always sneak up on people. It can always sneak up on people, and it's it, like I say, it's so inelegant <clears throat> because obviously it's a guy in a very big, ungainly unforgiving rubber suit um when he does attack people you're thinking well how does he attack people i mean the guy can't close its mouth yeah so how does how does he cause such damage well i'll tell you now he uses his amazing tentacle power um yes. so what he has to do is he has to swivel on his hip um there's a lot of hip movement <laughs> so that he can gain momentum to swing his tentacle arm well he can only really we could swing them all but there's only one that's effective he swings it round a kind of velocity that the people who he's attacking obviously don't expect and then he 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 does an octopus slap that's his special move yes, the isn't octo it? slap the octopus the oct octo slap um which leaves his victims um Unfeasibly scarred and gouged. Yes, and uh, we see one of our one of one of the first victims is a generic Latin American, and Octoman attacks him and does his his octo slap, um, which just with one slap, the guy's eye is popping out of his head, and he's got like like what look like slash marks across his face <laughs> yes. as if he's been attacked with both a plunger and a sword all in one go um, and that's the kind of lethal devastation that Octoman is is spreading yeah. around generic yes, Latin America we, we, we should never meddle with nature because exactly yeah he has to be stopped because otherwise this is the kind of thing that's going to be uh, everywhere yeah now the um they mention um, that they think that he may be a genetic mutation as, as a result of radiation, but there's no real. They don't take a Geiger counter or anything down there with them. Oh no! They're not. They that... never. They never. They never look for radiation. They never look for the source of the problem. No. Aside they from just spend their entire time. There's no equipment. 
No, 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 no. Oh, they've got well, they've got those buckets, the special buckets. Yes, they have the special to buckets. Keep, I beg your to pardon. keep the samples in. Yes. Um, and despite the fact that they were going down to um, potentially capture this huge octoman that's been sighted and people have described it, um, they don't take any any equipment really with them. No, no. Um, so. They do a various bits of exploring. Um, Octoman attacks their camp a few times. Um, he comes in on a night. He slaps people. Uh, <laughs> he goes away. They all seem shocked about it. The never. Oh, what what the Harry Essex cleverly does. He works within the budget. He's got some sure, ideas about sure. how he's how he, how he can um, cut a few corners, but still keep the tension and the realism. Um, every time that there's any talking about what's going to happen, kind of exposition stuff. Um, all the actors, there's about six of them, all the actors are all in one tent all at the same time. Yes. And they're only filmed by one camera from one angle. So all of their dialogue is just shot from one <laughs> one specific place. There's no, re- there's no retakes to take a shot from no. another angle. No. It's for the actors, I guess. Of he's course. trying to capture that. Yeah. He's, ca- he's trying to capture the moment, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. He doesn't want it to become yeah. stilted. It's very, it's very organic, and 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 uh, you know, a, a cynical uh, and more and more foolish uh, a viewer than ourselves might say they didn't have enough money to to get the coverage. No, um, no. But uh, that would be that would be to ignore the genius of Harry Essex, I think. Yeah, I mean, some people might think that he shot all of them all at the same time. All doing their lines, all at once, so they can all knock off early for lunch. Yeah, but I mean, they clearly have no, not. They clearly haven't because the further from the truth. No, because the quality is there on the screen. <laughs> um, there's lots of shots of them looking for Octoman. They always like to send two people off to look for Octoman, while yeah. the rest of them just mill about. Um, now, the, there's a. It must be an odd time of year like an equinox or something there because quite often they'll leave in the in mid-afternoon and then a matter of mere minutes later um the environment that they're in is is night time uh, but then it you get your bearings again because when it cuts back to the camp it's daytime it's daytime so you know it's daytime yeah it's, it, it's think, not it's not night i think in generic latin america in 1971 i'm sure we could look this up there were a lot of very instant eclipses yeah i think they were yeah. happening all the time just lots of eclipses well i think the thing as well is that we f- we forget being from such a small country um, Latin America's massive. You think about the time zones that they've got there. It's not yeah. just one time zone, is it? They've got loads. No. So it's probably like an everyday occurrence where you, you're at your house in yeah. the afternoon and you think, I've got to nip to the shop. Yeah. And you nip to the shop a mile down the road. Of and course. fuck me, it's fucking nighttime. Yeah. And the shop's shut. Yeah. So then you've got to come back home again. And it's somehow work followed by out. an octoman. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. That's why you always take your guide, your Latin, generic Latin American guide, with and you, a don't torch, you? just and any kind torch. of battery-powered torch. Yeah, there's a lot of screeching that goes on. A lot yeah. of the bird, baby bird screeching that yes. goes on throughout throughout the film. Um, as I said, the camp's been attacked a few times. Um, there's a a very very moving scene where. Um, the carnival, Johnny Caruso. Johnny Caruso. He he gets 
a sudden stealth attack, doesn't he? Yes, he um, does. Whilst he's in the camp. They're just having a lovely conversation yeah. about something, which seems to go on for about 10 minutes. And then, oh, where's he come from? He's in there like a fucking ninja, yeah. and he slaps him. Uh, the cat and they get the gun. They fire the gun. The gun doesn't seem to work on him. No. Um, although you do see blobs of red occasionally, but it doesn't seem to affect him in any significant way. And then he just is vanished, doesn't he? He yeah. just disappears he into is. the night, like a mist, like some kind of mist. What they have found out though is that he doesn't like um, doesn't like the light because. Um, Octoman, um, and again, it doesn't really explain how they know this, but Octoman has got uh, his his field of vision is much like um, a very basic fly. Yes, it's, indeed. He sees lots of different images of the same thing. Yeah, uh, very very clever camera work there. Remarkable. By Harry. And, and the other thing they did as well, uh, if you remember, is they combined uh, the 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 POV. Uh, of Optiman yeah, with uh, that kind of synth, yeah. So it's almost like Optiman's eyes make a noise. Yeah, so that was quite impressive. Probably that's probably what it sounds like if you're a fly, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, There's no wonder that they they just send themselves all over your living room because it must be driving a mad that fucking noise. <laughs> Flying around going, who's got that fucking synth? <laughs> <laughs> so they um yeah, he doesn't he doesn't like he doesn't like um the bright light from a torch. No. Um I mean he does say, walk around it. But we say bright he, light. he walks around in the day, doesn't he? He does. He's fine with during the day. <laughs> day daylight is fine with. That doesn't seem to affect him but then that fucking yeah. electric torch light. Yeah. Not even awful. that brighter torch either. Maybe there's something in the beam of the no. torch. It's a very, very dim torch yeah. that they use <laughs> throughout it all. Yes. Um, and um, he attempts to... He breaks into the um, the camp and he captures poor um, lady, attractive lady yeah. scientist. Pier- Pierangeli played it, so we'll just call her Pierangeli. Let's call her Pierangeli. Um, yeah, he captures... Pierre Angeli and carries her off in his muscular tentacle arms. He does, yes, he does. Oh, we've got to stop him. They all think so. Um, they chase after him, and um, they can't. Oh, can't fucking shoot him because he's holding Pierre Angeli. Yeah. Um, so they get. Um, they think, what? What can we do? We haven't thought about this before. Now, just now, even though we've been hunting for him, yeah. what can we do? Um, so they put a trail of like petrol all around him. <laughs> Um, and then set fire to it, and he like makes a funny noise, and then he puts Pierre Angeli down, who's unconscious at this point. There's no explanation as to how she became unconscious no. either. She's un- unharmed apart from being unconscious. Yes, she's not. She's not cutting her eyes, not popping out. Um, so he puts her down, and then waves his tentacles in the air because they they somehow knew that he was frightened of fire. <laughs> and it's a very very low fire. Yes. Um this this isn't a, like a raging fire. This isn't like you kind of three or four foot high flames. No. This is like um It's when you start your barbecue, really... isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a, a if somebody puts their cigarette lighter on the full thing and you go, "Oof, fucking hell, you could have burnt <laughs> me a nostril air out with that." It's like it's about that kind of ferocity. <laughs> surrounding him but it freaks him out 
and then while he's while he's in the ring of fire they shine the deadly torch at his eyes and that confuses him even more um and that gives him just enough time to jump across the flames pick up pierre angeli take her out of there with a little skip yeah, because um, that's all it takes to get through the flames. Of course, he could he could walk through them yeah, quite easily. Of course, you could. even even though he was obviously wearing nylon trousers, he could have still just walked through. <laughs> he could have walked through that flame quite slowly and still been unarmed. Um, but that does that does enable him to um, uh, tranquilize the monster. Yeah. And, and put I shouldn't call him, him a monster. He's just a he's just a creature, isn't he? he? Is. Yeah, that's so awful. they tranquilize him, and then they put a net over him. Massive net that you've never seen before. Yeah. Massive net. Yeah. And then they take him back to the camp. Yeah. That would be fine. It's at this point, uh, when discussing the creature, that the scientist uh, makes one of my favourite observations. And it's, uh, and it's something we need to live with, which is air and water are everywhere. Yeah. So think about that, listeners. It's fucking profound, is yeah, that, isn't that it? Is, that is some proper... You know, PhD level shit. That air yeah. and water are everywhere. I mean, you, like you, people are probably just at home poo pooing that. But bear in mind, this was 1971. Yes, yes, indeed. 1971, and yeah. people didn't realise that until what the 80s? Probably, yeah. I suspect that's the, the first s- time I'd heard about yeah, it. In the 70s, all they thought was in was everywhere was probably polyester and quaaludes. It, it certainly wasn't air and water. I mean, good lord. Maybe well, no, there was gap. There was gaps, weren't there? Yeah, <laughs> gaps. There's air, air's up there. Yeah, and then the water's down here, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. There's, a, there's a there was a gap until eighty three, eighty four. I think you're right because actually, when I think about it, all the pictures I used to draw, you know, there'd be the bit yeah. of the sea there's and a then blue a gap at the top, and a bit yeah, of the yeah, blue yeah, at the yeah. top, and a gap. You're right, of course, yeah. of course, yeah. Yeah, he was just he was fucking way ahead, way absolutely ahead way ahead, a visionary. Fucking hell, a visionary. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, they have problems because um, it would have been fine just keeping the Octoman under the net to take back for the carnival. Um, but then it um, it rained, or the Octoman got wet, and then he recovered all his powers. Yes, he did. That knocked all the tranquilizer stuff out of him for some reason. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't in his bloodstream. It was just surface-level tranquilizer. <laughs> Like some kind of roll-on tranquilizer that they'd used. Speed stick by Menon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> tranquilizer <laughs> off. Um, so he'd um, he recovered. He es- he escaped. He did a bit more battering of people, and then he w- he was off. So Helen, did they was are we near the are we near the bit where they're going to the into the um, RV? Uh, the RV, the yeah, they... yeah, yeah. You've, you've, all you've missed there, I think, is the moment where they're out on the water at night, uh, looking. Oh, at... yeah. One of the common occurrences throughout this film is that they go out, they do things for no apparent reason. <laughs> well, even if there is an apparent reason, it leads to nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. There are endless fucking scenes. That leads to nothing. I don't understand what his, <laughs> what Harry Essex's fucking priorities were because he obviously didn't have much money for film or time or the actors, you know, their wages and stuff. But yet he seemed to piss it up the wall on just 
meaningless scene. <laughs> so there's a scene where they go they go onto the boat. Yes. Um, to go and look for the creature. This is true. And they they spend absolutely fucking ages on this lake. Yeah. It, in the dark. Yeah. In the dark, looking for it. Um, and it leads nowhere. They go out. They come back. Yeah. Oh, but no- the, nothing. But the creature does come up at one point and put put his tentacle on the edge of the boat. Oh, he do- yeah. And no, they chop sorry. they chop a bit of the tentacle out, which which leaves yeah. the smallest amount of blood. And uh, you know, yeah, th- that tentacle never referred to again. Uh, it's you know, obviously re- it, uh, regenerates because yeah, from that point on, you know, the Octoman looks exactly the same. So you know, yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. Yeah, absolutely fine. It's the radiation, isn't it? Yes. Anyway, Octoman. Um, oh my God, Octoman. <laughs> he gets. I'd forgotten that when he gets Pierre Angeli. Is that when he gets Pierre Angeli that he gets into the RV and surprises him? <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, he they, so <laughs> he escapes. They all go looking for him, and then he sneaks back into the camp and gets inside their RV, yeah. and then and closes the door. <laughs> so when they get back to the camp, he. He does a sub, he does a jump scare at him by jumping out of the door and attacking him. Yeah. Um, and again, all he can do is basically just wave his flailing tentacle yeah. arms around. But they they have no ability to escape his wrath. Yes, um, indeed. There, uh, some of them get scarred, and it's awful. It's horrific. Oh yeah. And then and then he and then he's off. Um, we get to a point where they. Um, they get in the RV and they're chasing after him and they go down a road. Now, as they're travelling down the road in the RV, um, there's a lot of stock footage of an <laughs> RV, which again looks like it was taken from the tourist board or some kind of RV rental company video. <laughs> yeah. Or just somebody's holidays, you know. Oh, just somebody's holidays. Holiday videos. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they seem to go around the same corner quite a few times. A lot of times, yes. And then they get to the... They're chasing after this, um, the Octoman, because the um, the tracker seems to know where he's gone. And then uh, the road's blocked. Yeah. Oh, fuck me. That, it's probably that fucking Octoman who's done it. <laughs> um, but the road's blocked by a tree. Uh, so they try um, unblocking the road... By um, using the RV, but the RV is not strong enough to pull the tree out of the way. Yeah. So just on the other side of the tree, though, oh, hang on, it's a cave. Ooh, There's a cave there on the is. other side of the tree. There is a cave. So um, he must have fucking gone in there, Octoman. <laughs> um, I should point out uh, at this stage that um, where where they are, they're on a road, and to the right of them. Is a is a lake, a, ma- a, ma- a massive lake, yeah. a massive amount, a massive body of water. And to the left of them is a, is a cave, and their first thought is, is in the cave, not <laughs> is gone into the water. So uh. they go into the going to the cave. Well, the tracker goes in first, doesn't he? Just just just. Uh, and then, yeah, because he senses. Yeah, he says out. it's fine. We all need to go in there. Yeah. There is some reticence from Pierre Angelé, but it's because she's a woman, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Um, anyway, <laughs> they sort her out, and then they all go into the they all go into the cave, and then there follows 
a 12 minute long sequence <laughs> where they're in the cave nothing happens nope. really <laughs> not really um octoman <laughs> makes an appearance and it's insinuated there's a noise it's insinuated that he's then blocked their exit yeah and he's he's trapped them, but but somehow he's got out, um, and they've no idea. Or maybe he's done it from the other side. It's never really explained. <laughs> so they're in the, they're in this cave, like I say, for 12, 12 actual real life minutes where you're watching them in the dark, um, and there's some dialogue, but it's mean, utterly meaningless. And then the tracker says, oh, there's a, like a, pa- a passage. I'm not going to do the accent. There's a passageway. Um, so the scientist says, you go and try and find the passageway out. If it leads out, then <clears throat> great, we can escape that way. So off he goes. So then it shows you him for like two or three minutes crawling through a dark <laughs> passageway. And then he gets to daylight and he goes, oh, there's daylight here. So then he crawls. He crawls all the way back, and you see him crawl all the way back. And then he gets to the back to where they were, and then he says, you can get out here. Yeah. I found the way out. And they go, brilliant. And then it shows you them doing just what he's just done. It's just interminable. Uh, so they all then crawl out of this cave. They get out of the cave, and then one of them goes, oh, we're right back where we started. And they actually are. They are literally... I'd say ten foot from the opening, opening to the cave that they've just gone into, and then they go, "Oh, he's he's over there. He's at the side of the RV. He's gone into the water, which was obviously just at the other side." So then they all chase after him, and then there's a lot of um, Octoman attacking him, but he, he doesn't go towards him. He just kind of waves his tentacles up yeah. in their general direction, and they retaliate by shooting him, which this time has an effect on him. Yeah. He starts to bleed. And this this affects him, whereas before it, they did exactly the same thing, but he seemed to be fine with it. Yeah. Um but he's had he's he's absolutely fucking <clears throat> had enough now as Octoman. He's at the end of his tether. Yeah. Um <clears throat> so he goes off and just walks very slowly into the lake that he was actually heading into anyway. Um and they just watch him do it and then he slowly sinks below the water and there's a bit of blood. Not as much as you'd expect, but there is a bit of blood. Um and then that's it. That's yeah. that's the end, isn't it? Yes. That, it just finishes. Yeah, there's just, no yeah. no aftermath, there's no, no coda, discussion. Nothing. No, there's no we, we need to come back with more people or yeah. for Octoman too. Uh, nothing, <clears throat> absolutely nothing. It just it just finishes. No. Yeah, it is. It is. I think it's the it's the worst film that I've sat all the way through. <laughs> Easily the worst film I've sat all the way through. Again, with, with a man called Horse, um, I, I I found it very frustrating, but there was a ter- a certain level of technicality to it technical competence right but this it was almost the direct i mean the director he fucking wrote it yeah he did he wrote he wrote it and harry essex wrote it and he then he wanted to direct it and the guy had a track record because he'd already done creature from the black lagoon and then he went on to do like 
a science fiction, some science fiction films. Uh, in fairness, he wasn't very successful. He right, wasn't, no. He wasn't a great success at anything <clears throat> um, film-wise. His film career was very short. Um, but he did have at least have a track record of writing a success, a very successful creature film. But he thought, no, 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 I can improve on it. And he actually made it so worse. Yeah. He was so worse, and he was so half assed <laughs> I mean, Rick Baker, he tells a story about the scene where um, the creature... Goes and gets Pierre Angeli. He was saying in that scene, like he knocks somebody out who's a guy who's supposed to be then unconscious on the floor. Yeah. And then the Harry Essex was saying, then and then the creature's going to pick up Pierre Angeli, and then um, they're going to try and stop him by throwing a log at him. So Rick Baker said, "All uh, oh, right, well, whereabouts is the fake log?" And he said, "Well, the log that we're going to use is over there." And he was like, "No, that's that's a real log." And he was like, well, yeah, but it'll be, it'll be fine. And he was like, well, no, it won't, because you, you're throwing a real log at like a, a person who's holding another person. If it doesn't, if the log doesn't damage the people, it's going to damage the suit. And we haven't got another one. We've only got one. He said, how, how did it, what did it look like in rehearsals? And he said, oh, we're not rehearsing it. We haven't rehearsed it. We're just going to just, we're just going to just do it and shoot that and that'll be fine. So when they did it, the guy threw threw the log. It hit the man in the suit, who then stepped <laughs> backwards onto the man who was pretending to be unconscious. He stood on his his bollocks. He screamed out, <laughs> and then the guy and then the creature uh, basically threw Pierre Angeli against the RV that they had. <laughs> so then they couldn't use it anyway. Oh god! <laughs> fucking insane. <laughs> I don't understand if if that was like it was obviously like his passion project. Uh, I've written a film. Yeah, that was his I'm directing Kane, a film. It? Yeah, yeah. Of I've course. got the money for this film. Yeah, this is all about me. This. Yeah, yeah. I might not get another chance at this. Yeah. yeah. So well, we'll just we'll just fucking breeze through it and use a bit of stock footage and yeah. <laughs> not worry fine. about yeah, not worry about too much. Either that, or you know, he bullshitted. He hadn't got the money to make the film. And, uh, you know, every day he was selling bits of his house. We don't know, do we? we? Effectively, we don't know. He could have been, you know, at the, his passion project, his Citizen Kane, and uh, after the film, all he's got is three cans of footage, a load of stock footage, and no toys for his kids. He sold them yeah. all to finance Octoman, thinking that it might make his fortune. So, in brief, um, Octoman... Uh shit utter <laughs> utter unqualified shit oh so the first part of our horror double bill from 1971 um is a resounding yeah so it, i just could even oh. though i i don't know whether it was the mi- mindset i was in maybe it was just coming off the back of a man called horse where that, that was a painful experience um maybe oh, if i'd dear. watched uh, Octoman oh. late at night, and I'd have been in a giggly mood. I'd have enjoyed it, but possibly. I mean, I mean, as you know, I, I, I love a rubber suit film, and I thought it was so bad. I laughed all the way through it. The, the dialogue was risible. Uh, the performances were dreadful. There, there wasn't a cliche unused in the whole thing. The sets were non-existent the stock footage was appallingly inconsistent i loved the fact that 
And I saw it after you because I watched I watched the other film first, so I got all of your. I was I was prepped to enjoy it by your comments about the the scene filmed in a pet shop, and and oh, the God. cave the cave bit. <laughs> <laughs> the cave bit was hysterical. Oh. Um, I suppose you could enjoy the cave bit if you kind of knew that it was coming up. But when you're experiencing it in real time, yeah, well, I enjoyed it just as much. You talking about it because I knew what was coming. I knew they crawled out, and it was it was an absolute waste of ten minutes. I wonder whether or not it was one of those things where a studio had said, "Harry, deliver us one hour and uh, was it an hour and forty or an hour and twenty or something like?" Something really like that. Sure. Yeah. Deliver us one hour and forty's worth of film. Not a minute more, not a minute less. That's what we want. That's what we need. It fits a slot. It's a perfect B-movie length. That's what we need. And, you know, he'd written a script that was probably at best 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I've just looked on here. It was um, an hour and 16 minutes. An hour and 16 12 of those 16 minutes were spent not doing anything in a cave. (laughs) And then another 10 of those minutes were spent drifting around a fucking lake. On a boat. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. All of those things are true. But I I And yeah, I mean I'm not going to res- I'm not going to recommend it to anybody. Um but I have to say I did have more fun watching yeah. it than 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 you That's did. And enough. certainly more more film watching it than I did uh more fun watching it rather than I did with the next film in our double Yeah, cuz I chose for you what I thought was potentially quite an interesting film it was um dario argento's first feature length film for his second oh actually. was it his second the bird with the crystal feather oh, the first oh. uh from 1970 <laughs> yeah i know oh. how's that work <laughs> how does that work it fucking doesn't. <laughs> I thought it was his debut, which would have explained a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, it's got the snappy title of Four Flies on Grey Velvet. An innocent man becomes a target of insanity as he steps into the crosshairs of a homicidal maniac with a need for revenge. <laughs> Flies on grey velvet. Join us for a journey into the dark and endless caverns of a sick and twisted mind. Join us for a journey into living hell. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, I mean, the the bird with the crystal feathers. Having read the synopsis of it, doesn't sound dissimilar mm. to Four Flies on Grey Velvet. It's about an American living in Rome with his girlfriend who sees something horrific and is then tortured mm. by the the thought of it and the psychological damage. And then, you know, looking at um, Dario Argento's later work, I suppose his most famous film was the 1977 Suspiria, which is about a, a young uh, woman. She's English, isn't she? She joins yeah. a ballet school... Mm. In Italy, nobody lets her in. She sees something one night, and and it's all a bit weird. And there's witches. I mean, it's all of them are fucking potty, as far as I can tell. Yeah. This one, oh god, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for it, and I'll go through it. Uh, I, I found it, I found it as irritating as you found Octoman, because I suppose. Yeah, you chose for me, and I felt bad because I picked. Well, initially, I picked. I eat your skin. <laughs> uh, anyone, anyone who listened to the podcast from the week before, 
um, the main podcast as opposed to this uh, sort of uh, uh, side project um, will know that I picked I Eat Your Skin. But as you pointed out, technically speaking, it wasn't made in 1971. It was it was released in 71, but it had been made yeah. in the early 60s, yeah. 64, I think. So uh, that, was, that was no good. Uh, so I had to choose another one, and I chose... Octoban, yeah. which I think is a is a shame. Um, so I um, you, we start um with some fairly fast acid jazz playing. I don't know, yeah. it's very seventies. A lot of guitar, no lyrics. Uh, and we focus. We cut from that, the, 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 you know, the music and the, of the groove of, of this, you know, uh, uh, this mute, this sound being recorded in a recording studio to just a, a, a model of a human heart, well, a heart beating and a black background. Um, it, it just, again, rubber. It looked like Octoman's heart. It was rubber. <laughs> it was rubbish. And then, and then you'd be going... <laughs> <laughs> and and within the first couple of minutes, the style for the film is set because you have uh, whip pan cameras, you have uh, the fast close up, you know, so you know a camera will be uh, twenty feet away and then yeah. straight into somebody's face. There's a lot of that, lots of weird overhead shots and crazy angles. Um, it is quintessentially. A 1970s movie, a lot of brown in there. Yeah. Set in Rome, I'm, I'm assuming Rome, an Italian city, but I've never been to Rome, so I don't know. Uh, we find Michael Brandon. Michael Brandon, who played later in his uh, acting career, uh, or perhaps in his acting career, because this seemed to be pre-acting when he was just stoned <laughs> off his bollocks and happened to be in a film. <laughs> But in his in his uh, in his in his uh, late into his acting career, he made Dempsey and Makepeace, uh, which was an ITV uh, cop show. I'm going to say mid eighties, yeah. 84, 85, somewhere around there, um, uh, where he was uh, he played uh, somebody Dempsey, and <laughs> he was he was seconded to the uh, English police force and partnered up with. Somebody make peace, <laughs> uh, played by Glynis Barber, and they married, and they they remain married to this day. So fair play to the pair of them. That's lovely, you know, I, happy story, I, um, and so on. I wouldn't have. I mean, I looked it up. I wouldn't have recognised him. I didn't pick him out as. No. Oh, that's that's Michael Brandon. He doesn't look anything like his later self, does he? In this film, <clears throat> no. The drugs clearly took their toll. Mm. I, I, I mean, the majority of the film. He doesn't look like he knows what the fuck's going on. I mean, it must have been a nightmare for him to make because I suspect he thought a lot of it was real, <laughs> uh, which, which, as the unfortunate consequence of meaning his life was really confusing uh, and also utterly dull in parts as well. Um, so he plays uh, Roberto. Oh, I wrote his name down. Uh, his name began with Tobias. T- I can't remember. Roberto Tobias. Thank you, Roberto Tobias, the drummer. Um, in uh, in a band, uh, you never find out what the band's called, uh, but they're recording something. Presumably, there's sessions for an album, um, and he's obviously quite successful. 
uh, and he's got a nice place. Uh, and he lives with his uh, very thin, uh, rather glamorous Italian uh, girlfriend. Mm. Although it's all, it's all uh, in English. Uh, there's a lot of overdubbing. Uh, lots mm. and lots of ADR work, I think. Um, he's also, I, I would have to say, uh, must be a member of the Magic Circle, uh, or he's he's an illusionist of some kind because the drumming bears no relation to what he's actually doing on film. <laughs> Anyone would think that Dario Argento just cast an actor and went, do you drum? Not really. Doesn't matter. Not important. <laughs> we're not going to show you drumming, just like we're not going to show Octoman's yeah. feet. We've, I've made a pact with Harry Essex. If he shows Octoman's feet, I'm going to show you drumming. And clearly Octoman's feet were shown. So he's out of time. It, you know, it, he's, he's not... He's nowhere, he's nowhere near, is he? The, the only no, thing, the thing I could think of was maybe a little bit like, you know, in... Um, in some scenes in films where people are dancing, but actually there's no music being piped in so that they can record of the dialogue course. live. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I could think of was maybe that they they didn't have the music for the band at that time and they'd just gone, right, just play, just look like you're playing something. Pick a tempo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, no, absolutely. well, I can't even say tempo because even that wasn't, it wasn't even in the same time as the track. No, that that's what used. I'm saying. Just, just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just pick something, do something, yeah. like a drummer. Unfortunately, the way he was slapping the hi hats and, ba- and yeah. banging his snare, he made Ringo Starr look like John Bonham. <laughs> It was it was a but that's, that's a that's a very nerdy drummer <laughs> reference there, um, but uh, yeah, it was it was not um, not the best example of how to you know match cut a drummer. You know, use another drummer, just cut to his hands. You know, do do whatever. Yeah. But no, anyway, um, within the first minute of the you know the the camera whipping round and super close ups, you see uh, he, he's seen through the mirror. A, 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 a mustachioed man in a trench coat and a hat looking at him. Just looking at him, that's mm. all. Looking at him. But I think you get a synth sting of a... Yeah. Kind of, this man is not to be trusted. <laughs> so, naturally, at the end of the recording day, uh, Michael Brandon, sorry, um, Roberto Tobias, does what any self-respecting musician does takes a wander around Rome to find this bloke, finds him, follows him into a disused theatre, mm. and says, why are you following me? <laughs> yeah, I, already I'm scratching my head. Uh, and the the Italian uh, dubbed says, I'm not following you, you're crazy, this is crazy talk. Anyway, somehow, the, the, uh, the, the guy uh, with the moustache pulls a knife on Michael Brandon, that he rests from his grip and inadvertently stabs him. Stabs him, and he falls into the orchestra pit and is dead. Mm-hmm. And Michael Brandon, uh, showing the, the the about of as much remorse as, as I had at minute three of this film, thinking, oh, fuck, I've got another hour and 37 minutes of this, leaves the theatre, doesn't go to the authorities, doesn't check to see whether he's alive, no. Just leaves, goes back to his flat. Uh, has so so one of the key things about this film, and again, I, I don't remember. I, I, I saw Suspiria. I've never seen the Bird with the Crystal Feathers. I've never seen Tenebrae. I've never seen any of these other films. To be perfectly honest, a bit of Suspiria. Um, 
but in this film, nobody acts like human beings ever act. No. Nobody. You know, you couldn't even say, oh, it's a study in uh, violent mood swings amongst people with mental conditions. Because it isn't that calculated, it isn't that well thought out. You know, he gets in and says to his girlfriend, uh, you know, hi. And she says, hello. And he says, what? What? And he's, he's suddenly incredibly angry. Uh, it's it makes no sense, and and she's very tense. We don't know why. Uh, we learn early doors that they're going to go to a party, or they're hosting a party. I think they go to a party, and that she's wealthy, and uh, she's got this house because her father left her a load of money. Um, anyway, they go to this part. They go to this party um, where there's people sitting about. Uh, at one point, he meets a really tall bloke with a very slender neck who's also in his band. He only He's only in this scene and a couple of others. Uh, and um, the bloke with it, he says, are you okay, man? Yes, I'm fine, says Roberto Tobias. And he goes to sit with this bloke <laughs> who looks a bit like the lead singer with Mungo Jerry. <laughs> he's got the same kind of curly hair and sideburns and a yeah. bit of a moustache. Yeah. But rather than singing in the summertime... Uh, our Mungo Jerry um, it's, it tells a story um, <laughs> that has li- literally no point to it at all about how he, he's he's heard that uh, in 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 certain countries I don't know if he says long ago or still now <laughs> they execute people in the following manner they stick a knife into their neck to make them bleed and then cut their heads off in the town square <laughs> right so i mean he doesn't really put much behind it, it it's no. more like an it, it's it's more like the delivery of a of speak and spell uh, you know it, uh, it, uh, there's no passion no spell beheading in the square it's it's really like, you know un um unemotional and yet so affected by uh, this, and probably by the fact that he's just killed a bloke and hasn't <laughs> mentioned it to anybody, um, is Michael Brandon, uh, Roberto Tobias, that he goes to bed that night and dreams of the first six seconds of the story where a bloke gets a knife out and puts it into a man's neck. Or goes near the neck the first time he dreams about it. Doesn't, now, doesn't stop I thought away. that... Um... The f- up until the very last time that they used that piece of footage, I thought that was quite a good, disturbing piece of footage. I, I mean, I, if I'd have been emotionally invested in anybody <laughs> or anything, I, I might have agreed with you. But the, but the point is, there's this guy, he's seen a bloke in the studio, he's seen him outside, could have been an autograph hunter, could have just been a fucking coincidence. He's followed him to a theatre, got it, said, why are you following me? Knifed him, fucked off to a party, um, yeah. and then rather than having a dream about, I don't know, stabbing a bloke in a theatre, he starts having a dream about a complete random stranger having a knife pushed into his neck. It's, 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 very, it's very, very odd. Anyway, heavily symbolic, I'm sure. The following day, his girlfriend says, um, "You know what are you doing today?" And he, and he says, "Well, I've I've got to uh, I've got to go back to um, to work. I, I've got to carry on making the album." And I killed a man yesterday, so there's that as well. <laughs> it's, it's 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 he drops it in in the most 
casual and offhand, bizarre manner. And her reaction, I think it might show her sort of looking a little bit. Then we cut to a woman <laughs> who we haven't seen before, a dark-haired woman, um, watching a postman uh, and, and delivering delivering a letter. Yeah. And I think there's some comment about it. I think then it cuts back to uh, the 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 to Robert Roberto Tobias's uh, girlfriend who says, "Oh, uh, she's still getting bothered. She's still getting bothered by that postman." And and <laughs> I'm not even sure he does very much, to be honest. He, he delivers the mail, yeah. Um, but she's convinced he's watching her or something. And uh, again, it, it, it's never explained. He's only there for comedy value. Now. This this next part, I'm 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 not so sure about quite how you might be able to help me out here, but he goes back to making his session, and then and the next thing he's he's very aware that somebody does he, is he left a note, somebody's following him, or he's oh no 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 that's it sorry, when he stabs the man there you go when he stabs the oh, man yeah he looks up to the upper balcony. And there is somebody with a rubber mask. Yeah. Uh, like, quite a creepy mask, to be yeah. fair. Uh, with a fixed sort of smirk uh, on it. Um, taking photographs. Yeah. Uh, with, a, with a little old Instamatic camera. The following day, Roberto Tobias uh, gets uh, some photographs, uh, obviously been developed in the post, of him killing uh, the mustachioed man and leaving him, uh, leaving his body right. in, in the uh, in the theatre. So he's obviously very, very distressed, and he's he's so distressed, in fact, uh, not not distressed really, facially, because he looks the same all the time, which is just whacked off his fucking mind. Um, but he's deci- he decides to uh, engage the services of a private detective. Um, uh, yeah, because he goes to um, <clears throat> if he finds the he gets the the photographs and he hide hides the photographs, doesn't he? And um, he also um, he. When he goes to the detective, but he just seems to just walk down the street and then stumble across uh, the the door that says like private detective, and the door of the the door of the private detectives has eyes for door handles, doesn't it? He's but I should I'm going to preface this: the private detective was my favourite character in this. Yes, he's my favourite character as well. Um, but he's he's quite ridiculous. He's the campest. He's the campest man you've ever seen. Like he's uh, he's introduced, and one of the first things he says is, um, "Oh, I bet you weren't expecting a fairy," which is like classic nineteen seventies. Uh, you know, that's fine. That's acceptable. We can call gay people fairies. That's totally fine. You'll probably get a laugh. And as I've said before, the film tonally is all over the shop. It doesn't know whether it wants to be a, a scary film or a funny film and so on and so forth. But yeah, uh, oh, I bet you weren't expecting a fairy. And then after, I think, Roberto Tobias uh, lays all his troubles on the, uh, the the private detective, he says, oh, you heterosexuals. And he kind of scoffs <laughs> at him. But they, you've missed off the bit where... Um they gave the more obvious signpost 
towards his sexuality was that when he first opened the door, he had an apron on and he was painting the walls in his office. So he immediately signified that not only was he a, a very unused, out of work, currently out of work private detective, but he was obviously very how much more homosexual if he was choosing his own de- home decor. Yes, of course, of course, yes, he is. He, <laughs> and he's he's painting, he's painting in his um. Uh, yeah, the 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 apron that did that should have yeah it's a big clue isn't it of course you're painting in an apron um, another big uh, red flag a big pink flag perhaps but he <laughs> but he also says uh, right yes well I'm um, I'm going to um, level with you now and I've I've never solved a case <laughs> I think he says yeah. he's never solved a case he's done eighty nine cases um, and they've they've uh, he's he's got them all wrong. But that must mean something. That must mean that uh, that I'm going to I'm going to solve one. That's 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 not necessarily how things work, is it? Really, that's, it's not. If you you know if you don't have a, a talent for something, then it doesn't matter how many times you do it, it's not going to get any better. You know, my my back's fused, so no one is going to yeah. say. Tell you what, that guy, he's a fucking born ice dancer, that lad. Let's see you do a triple salco. My 89th triple salco will be just as shit as my first triple salco, and it won't make me think there's a good one coming soon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking nail that triple salco next. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Or a, one of those tailspin, camel spin things, or a, or a, a Lutz. Is that, is that a... doesn't really matter. Anyway, uh, <coughs> moving on. So yes, so the so the uh, the gay character's on the case. The gay character, uh, the, the the one thing he does that is good is he introduces uh, Roberto Tobias to his two associates who are going to help him, and one is a bruiser played by Bud Spencer. Yeah, the guy from from uh, My Name Is Trinity. Uh, same guy, same guy. It must have been a big seventy one was obviously a big year seventy and seventy one and seventy two. Big year for Bud Spencer. Yeah, uh, and he he's played a big heavy, and he's also uh, followed round by uh, his his oppo, a, 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 a smaller chap um, with a rumpled hat who's constantly quoting from the Bible, which I presume is by way of a, a bit of character definition for him, because you know there's fuck all else. Uh, really, he's got he's got he's got nothing. Yeah. Um, as they say in gangland films, so they are also helping out uh, to solve this particular mystery. Um, now I think it's at this point that um, a woman, a blonde woman, uh, she she rings, she ring. I think she's described. Uh, she's later on you find she's the cleaner, but um, maybe I fell asleep or looked away <laughs> or something. But I don't remember a scene with anybody in the house with Roberto and Roberto's wife. Uh, so uh, perhaps that's just the information you find out later. But she phones somebody and says, "I know what's really happened." Um, and then, uh, now is she, is she stabbed? No, she was the one who was in the, in the park when it was dark, wasn't she? And she couldn't get over the wall. Oh yes, chase, that's it, she, she goes to chase up, up a wall, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, there's a lot of, in this film there's a lot of, um, weird point of view moments with weapons where the camera basically has a hand holding a knife or a club at the bottom uh, of the uh, of the of the screen and then just charges forward with the yeah. hand. you know yeah. it's like a pov shot but it's not hands don't have a view 
because hands haven't got eyes. Eyes can view. Hands are just fucking hands. But anyway, it's a little bit like the beginning of Police Squad. <laughs> yeah. Police yeah. Squad, if you remember the the, the, the siren at the top of the car <laughs> driving through, you know, uh, ridiculous things um, into, you know, uh, a matador and a, a bull and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, yes, so so she's she's killed. The, 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 the woman is killed. And I don't think you ever find out why. I can't really... Remember, I, I, I'm skipping something because it's he's it's like just one rubbish. of these people that you meet the in real life that go in a moment that, um, of you know we talked about you know, the, the, the optimum kind of having bits the where distance, you know you might could say, just cut that bit oh, out. Are you, make are, any sense. are you all right? Is and I know I'm jumping around uh, uh, time wise. Well, yeah, but, but please don't tell anybody else, in, and then they tell you something, and then later on you find out that they've told everybody, and they've said exactly the same thing. They've said, you know, please just keep it to yourself. It's like a Fiat. Just between me and the you. The original Fiat 500, which are much smaller than the yeah. remade ones. Could have been a 127. Don't know. Anyway, he pulls up, gets out of the car, which is, you know, the door's hanging off. Yet again, another indication that he's down on his luck. Um, and he goes to this door of this chap and he knocks on the door. And it honestly, it's almost like Dario Argento has gone, hmm, we've got, uh, we've got a gay character in this film. So we can manage two. Should we stick another gay character in? We'll double up on gays. <laughs> and a bloke comes to the door with bouffant grey hair, his shirt open to the navel, um, and and he's putting on a voice, or the the voice that is dubbed is is the most extreme camp. I mean, the, the private detective is camp enough, but suddenly he says, oh, can I help? What, what do you want? To which the private detective replies, well, I want you, <laughs> or something like that. And then they go in and they have this conversation. Uh, and during the course of this conversation, they sit down. Um, and um, the, the the guy that the private detective's visiting picks up an old-style, you know, an old-style fan, like a paper fan. <laughs> and he's, he's fanning it like a, 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 a woman in a, in a Regency uh, play, you know, a Renaissance theatre. So, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, that's very, that's just very weird. And, um. Anyway, it doesn't help the investigation. Can't remember what that scene's about. You learn very, very little. Other than <laughs> there are two gay people in Rome, which I would imagine at the time would have been quite horrific for, for uh, Rome's inhabitants. Um, yeah. So next, uh, I think it's where um, Roberto Tobias' wife has decided she's had enough and she wants to leave. She doesn't want to be there. She needs to get out of town. And she says, come with me. And he says, no, I'm recording yeah. this album. And she, he gets very irate, very annoyed. Uh, and he wants to stay. Uh, so he's decided he's going to stay. Um, oh, and then, then I think it's either before that or after that, we go we go to uh, an apartment. Oh, because he said, we ought to stay. I've killed somebody. Which surely would have been a reason to flee. But he doesn't want to leave. He's quite happy. Uh, but this is when we find out he hasn't killed somebody. In in a twist, we then go to a bedsit where the chap with the moustache is is talking to an unseen uh, person who we, we obviously assume he is does. The, the killer, yeah. the, the blackmailer. Uh, and he says, I can't do this yeah. anymore. I don't want to stay in this house anymore. I've, I've, I've had enough. I want to leave. I want to leave. Um, and, and you can't make me stay. And, 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 and you can have this back as well. And he gets out the the trick knife, you know, with uh, yeah, one of those uh, push in blades uh, with blood that pumps out, and um, and just just to indicate to the audience exactly what it is, he does it. Uh, there's a close up of the hand pushing it against the table with fake blood pumping out of it. Um, anyway, uh, 
miffed, uh, I would imagine, miffed and rather vexed that uh, the mustachioed man is not going along with this. Um, uh, there's another of those shots with a hand. He turns away and suddenly what looks like an ornate table leg or a chair leg comes charging towards the man, whacks him on the head. Uh, and then I think, is he beaten to death or is he stabbed? Yeah. With a real knife or is he stabbed and beat? I can't remember. Anyway, he is yeah. killed. Um, and then and then she wants to go and she goes uh, and he's left on his own uh, and they they um, but then he's in the flat with uh, with his uh, with the cousin the the the, the dark haired woman um, and uh, I think they he, he goes in the bath and he tries to feel a why did you have, no why, why did you have a hot bath because he's because you, you've you've killed a bloke so why did you have a hot bath. In the in the little bit of the run up to that though, he's obviously perturbed. She says, "You know, you've killed a man. Um, why don't you have Why don't you have a hot bath?" Bearing in mind that th- theoretically he has killed a man, and his partner has just left, and they've just had a massive falling out. Um, so there's quite a lot of trauma going on at this point. Oh, and he he, he he's got a feeling that the. He's had the he's had the dream. He's met the gay detective. There's a, there's a fuckload going. The rehearsals. I don't know how they're going. Not not great. I don't suppose. So there's a lot going on. And then she just says, well, "Why do you have a hot bath?" And he's, like, "I don't want a hot bath." And then the next time you see him, she's she's just to just so that you can get a visual image. So he's sat in this um, barely barely got any water in it bath uh, with with no bubbles in it. And she comes in, and she's quite a slight, um, petite woman, um, and she's wearing a mini skirt and a a blouse that's open quite low, isn't it? And um, he splashes the water, and it goes it goes on goes on the front of her, and then she's like, "Oh, stop messing about!" And he's like, he smiles. Um, and then she sits on the back of the bath, and then that's when he thinks, "I'm going to have a squeeze of tea." And then she goes, "No, what are you doing? What are you doing?" And then the very next thing that she does is then she gets a, a big tub of random cream. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it did look like more, it was more like a, yeah, a Channel Swim preparation. It's a non non erotic. <laughs> Um, but he but he goes for it again, uh, and and um, lo, lo and behold, clearly that does the trick because suddenly he cops another feel, and they're at it. Um, you know, nothing, uh, nothing serves as an aphrodisiac in nineteen seventies Rome uh, like a shit ton of goose grease. But um, you know, neither of them look particularly happy about it. She seems a little bit happier, I think. She smiled. He didn't smile at all, not once, but she. Yeah, she she did smile when they seemed to have had their bit of a play together in the bath, and then she gave him a hug, and she seemed to smile, and it just seemed like the most depressing situation to be in. It's like something from a fucking Ken Loach film. It's awful. awful. Um, yeah, and it is. It's utterly, utterly miserable and depressing. Terrible sex. Um, but. Um then then we go to the studio and they're, they're recording the music uh, and he gets a phone call 
now, I think it's from Bud Spencer, the big guy, to meet them. And they have a meeting at a funeral convention. And again, this is this is where the film, uh, for me, I just, I lost it. Because, you know, something like Seven knows the value of when something's funny and when it's not funny. Uh, the moments that are funny, uh, but they don't try and overplay that hand. You know, um, actually, the, it, it's a very scary, yeah. scary film. This film decides, oh, we'll make this scene funny. It'll be a funny, funny scene in the funeral parlour. So it keeps, as well as the three of them, the Bible spouting short bloke, Bud Spencer and Roberto, uh, well, you know, Michael Brandon, um, there are some little cutaways to, to people asking about coffins. And it's just, it's just, it's just awful. And again, I don't remember what that scene is about. I yeah. think it might be where he says, uh, this person's serious, get a gun. Yeah. It yeah. might be that. I can't, re- I can't really remember. Um, but the private detective, uh, at this point, um, he's going to follow, he, he sees somebody on a, on a metro. Um, but it, I think it was a bus. I don't know. It feels to me almost like... Um, because this was a film that was unearthed and re-edited together, I don't know whether they lost yeah. a bit of film footage, because I'm sure he starts out by getting on a bus, but then suddenly he's on the underground, he's on uh, um, yeah. on, on the metro train, and, and, um, and it's very full, and he sees someone, um, yeah. and he's, and he's, you know, he's going to follow <laughs> that person. But anyway, anyway, as well as, you know, mincing about in a, in a coat off the shoulder yeah. number, he, he gets off the metro uh, train, because uh, he thinks he's he's following the, the person he needs to see, uh, and he follows them through the uh, a very empty uh, metro station, um, and uh, sees the toilet door of the gents go, and he goes into the gents, uh, and then again is he stabbed? Uh, oh no, it's the blue liquid. It's the blue liquid full of Drano. He gets. He gets. Um... He gets hit on the head, doesn't he? Because he collapses on the floor, and then then his shirts come apart, and that's when the blue syringe come point of view comes into play. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's right. Of course, he gets hit on the head. Of course, he does. Yeah, he gets hit on the head, and then and then um, he um, he's laid there, and and the the assailant whispers to him, "You were right. You were right." And as if as if. His life is now complete, and he's gone full circle. This actually seems to please the dying private detective, who's obviously been injected with with something uh, lethal. And he does go, "I was right," and sort of smiles as he's as he's you know uh, disappearing to the fucking mm. hereafter. So that's you know that's that's the end of that's the end of him. And then the following day, uh, Michael Brandon, uh, uh, you know Roberto Tobias, reads in the paper that an unidentified body. Uh, it was is found in the in the river, and uh, the river Tiber is that road? Yeah. Anyway, so he's fa- he's found in the river, um, which which clearly indicates that the person who killed mm. um, uh, the, the private detective, who's a big guy. I mean, he's not big like you know Bud Spencer's, but he's not like a fat guy. But he's he's got broad shoulders. Um, has dragged him in daylight out of the metro station and across the mm. city to dump him. Into the river. Of course, that's never mentioned, just because film logic dictates yeah. that that's not important. Yeah. yeah they, they, so, so there's now been three, four deaths. Yeah. Uh, and 
uh, oh, he says get a gun, and then we go to the house. You've got it. You've, you're missing. You're missing out the. You're missing out the title of the film. <laughs> oh, of course, of course, yes. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. No. Yeah. Absolutely. The title. That is. Yes. That this is. This is why the whole oh, thing so, is yeah, solved. So, so. Um, <laughs> the 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 darker the cousin, uh, who weirdly uh, can hear. Uh, you keep hearing this voice. Uh, this this uh, this this man's voice. Echo reverb on it, saying, "You are mad. You should be in an asylum. Asylum." And and it'll cut to. A, a, a camera whirling around a padded cell, and and then and it shows this, you know, the, yeah. the dark-haired cousin, and you assume, oh, right, okay, so that's weird. That's come out of nowhere. Yeah. Why should that be her memory? Um, and again, I'll I'll come back to that in a bit. But um, she's, I don't know whether or not she's she's killed uh, just because. I don't know if yeah. she found anything out or. Yeah. Or, or what's happened to her, but she falls down the stairs. Actually, that is another camera just on her head as she rolls down the stairs, which I think actually is the most effective of all the deaths, but would have been more effective if she'd have shown yeah. some pain on her face as she slides down the stairs. Um, yeah. But anyway, she's killed, but the police think they've caught a break. Yeah. Um, and they go to see uh, um, Roberto Tobias, or they call him in, and they say... Um, <laughs> They've discovered there's a recent discovery in technology that murdered people or dead people's retinas have the ability to record the last thing they saw. So, so and they use it in Germany and America, and they say one of the country I can't remember. I don't think it's Europe. Well, it could be Turkey. I can't remember anywhere. They say it. They say another place. So they take him into a room, and there is just an eye that's been pulled out of a, a dead person's head with the optic nerve dangling off the back of it. Yeah. Sitting on a little metal plinth in the middle of a huge circle, a wooden circle, like it's in an art gallery. We assume it's a police station. <laughs> Who fucking knows? But anyway, it's there, and... Um, they, they they do whatever they're going to do that they do in America and Germany and process the image at the back of the retina. And all they can see is it's um, uh, like a blurred image of, of four flies on grey velvet. Yes, yeah. Of course, they don't look like flies at all. They're just four fucking little grey blobs. But one of the characters says, they look like flies. No, that didn't, that didn't make any sense at all. Another random bit of... Bullshittery. Uh, so I'm missing out. I'm missing out quite a bit here I, I, because I can't. But I found the film so fucking annoying and frustrating. I'm trying to get rid of it yeah. in my head. But we'll just go back to the point where um, he's at home and he's bought a gun and he's sitting there and he's waiting for the killer. I don't know. I don't remember why. Why? How does he know the killer's coming? I think he has like a phone call or something, doesn't he? And his wife comes back. Um, and uh, she's come back, despite the fact that he's she's phoned him up after a recording session to say, come and join me, I'm not coming back. Anyway, she's come back, and he says, get out, you've got to get out. You've got to get out. Uh, there's a, there's a, My car's down the street. Just get in the car and go. The killer will be here any, killer will be here any, any minute, and I killed somebody as well, so you, you probably should just go, just go. And they get close to one another, uh, and... Um, Rich, can you describe what 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 um 
what he sees. <laughs> so, so his his wife. Um, She's she's again she's wearing quite a low cut blouse, but she's got a really ornate um, necklace on, and the main feature of her necklace is a kind of semi opaque um, glass kind of ball thing that's surrounded by a, a metal ring, and then within that um, there is a fly. So, the, but the swinging of her necklace makes it look like there's four flies or several flies or just one fly that's just blurred. Yes, a, f- a fly. A, 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 yeah, yeah. And, and and the motion of the of the motion of it moving, uh like you say on the camera looks like there's more than one fly, which makes him realize that that he's the ki- that she's the killer. She's been the one following him all along. Um so rather than saying why are you doing this? Yeah. My wife, who I've known and loved for years, he does what a lot of unreconstructed 1970s blokes do in films like this, particularly if they're fucked off their own drugs, and just gives her a proper dry slap, bash right in the face, then gives her another one. I don't remember how, but she ends up with the gun, and she starts making some weird animal noises. At one point she goes, ah! Uh, and then and she says, I, would, I want to kill you yeah. slowly. I want to make you suffer like I suffered. Which comes out of nowhere, and uh, and then she <laughs> and then she starts going into this this whole <laughs> this dreadful. It's like the worst Deus Ex Machina. It's, it's dreadful thing where she suddenly says, "I hated my father. <laughs> I hated him, and 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 he he used to beat me, and he used to abuse me, and he told me I was no good, and and he wanted a boy, and he wanted me to be a boy, and he used to beat me for not being a boy." <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and and he said uh, and she says but when I met you it was a miracle because you looked just like him and you acted like him and you were like him and I married you because I wanted to torture you <laughs> right so so this innocent bloke she wants to marry him because she looks he looks like her dad who used to beat her so <laughs> she can then beat a total stranger yeah. you know someone she's just met for for a you know to get her own back on her dad who died and left her the money and left her the house, the whole thing honestly makes little to no sense. But no, none the wiser. This, this is where we're at, <laughs> uh, and he sh- shoots him in the shoulder, and he's ah he's writhing in pain ah ah, and then at this point, um, I'm I'm assuming and again, I don't know because I've never read about it, I've never heard the film before this, uh, but I'm I'm assuming. That at this point, I'm assuming at this point it must have been a technique for Dario uh, um, Argento to say, right, okay, just because they're all Italians, the actors apart from Michael Brandon, I think just so. um, just run through the scene, just in Italian, pray see the lines, do whatever you like, um, and then we'll we'll record that for camera position as a rehearsal, and then we'll we'll coach you on how to say the lines in English, and then we'll dub over. Uh, with a, with you know English actors doing the voices, um, and I'm I'm only assuming that because halfway through uh, what she's saying, we suddenly revert from English into a really bad recording of Italian. It sounds like it's been recorded <laughs> by an Edison cylinder. It's really crackly and it's it's all that. It's all because of my mother. <laughs> he cuts back into this 
Um, and yeah, it's essentially <laughs> more of the same. I, I hate you. Yeah. I've always hated you because you look like my father. You like him. But then she doesn't shoot him and she doesn't kill him. She just leaves him and goes out. Yeah. And then gets in a car and yeah. drives off and drives into a truck. I don't mean she drives up into the back of a truck. She just plows head first, you know, like a head, uh, um, uh, what, yeah. what head on cash. Um, yeah. With uh, with a truck, and and it's all done in slow motion with Ennio yeah. Morricone's music playing, um, and it, it's uh, she's I think she's been told to do uh, to to act in slow motion, and it's filmed in slow motion, so it's really really slow, and mm. then uh, you know a rubber version of her head flies through the windscreen, she's beheaded, and that's and that's the end. That's the that's the fucking end of it. It was so frustrating. It was so. I mean, you know, again, we talked about Octoman having no decent ending. Octoman was a ridiculous, you know, just non-ending. But it was the same thing. It was this. It was oh my god, you know. And and I suppose I just had high hopes of it because it was uh, it was it was um, Dario Argento. Is his first film is called the the Bird with Crystal Plumage or Crystal Feathers? The Bird with Crystal Feathers? Yeah, the Bird with the Crystal Feathers. Don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> the bird that could never fly, um, but yeah, but no, I, I, I mean, aside from that, you know, he's known for Suspiria uh, and Tenebrae and a, a number of other films that, that achieved cult status, and you assume he'd got, you know, better at his craft. But I just figured, oh, you know, this, this is going to be great, and it's probably why yes. I enjoyed Octoman more than I enjoyed uh, the other one, uh, the, the, the the fucking Four Flies on Grey. Velvet, because I expected more from it. I knew what I was going to get from the rubber rubber thing, but this was just ah, fucking! I found it tedious. (laughs) So I really liked it. (laughs) I um, there was so there was so many things wrong with it. Um, like say the the acting was a little bit like they'd all had some rehearsal time before the film had started and Dario had said to them all look here's how we're going to do this I don't want you to express any kind of emotion at all while we're rehearsing and while we're on set because what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the directions on the emotions as they happen so it'll give it it'll give us some dynamism and then he completely forgot that conversation so they all went through the motions thinking that they were doing exactly what he told them to do. And he was thinking, probably thinking, these fuckies, they're so wooden. No, that that lead actor that I've got, not not a fucking flicker across his eyes. Um, I liked the band that they were in. Um, I thought that they all looked like kind of Molly's Chamber era, Kings of Leon. Um uh, I, li- I liked the music that they were playing as well. It was mental. Um, I liked the homosexual detective. Um, I thought he was entertaining. Um, I thought that uh, his wife and her cousin were... Uh, I-, I found out that I've got a thing for um, 1970s Italian women. <laughs> I thought they were... Yeah, I thought they were pretty hot. Uh, and I liked the fact that it was a bit batshit crazy. I mean, there was a million and one things wrong with it. Plot-wise, it didn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, so it was terrible in that way. But I did find that despite all that, I enjoyed it. I can't believe it. I can't. 
you can't believe you like oh but um yeah i, I mean i i i positively disliked it and and, and in a and and the, <laughs> i didn't mention this earlier but the 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 weird thing about it is i i fell asleep or i was i was getting quite sleepy so i had to watch it fucking twice which was absolutely infuriating um so yeah uh, um that was um that was that for me um and um yeah that that's uh, 1971 we've we've ended up um enjoying the films that we've picked for each other uh, and that's that so so next and uh, next uh, week next film club we'll be looking at 1972 it is 1972 um and seeing as we've gone through similar genres for the our first couple of years we're going to go for another genre um but this time it's horror well horror horror suspense i've gone for a british offering this time round because we've had we've had american we've had italian we're going to go british this time we're going to go for asylum it's directed by roy ward baker um so it's written by Robert Block, and it stars some pretty good people. Um, so it stars Peter Cushing, Britt Eklund, Robert Powell, Herbert Lom, Patrick McGee, and Patrick McGee's really good. Um, so I'm not going to tell you any more about that because I want you to find it all out by yourself. Uh, we have to, this is our, that's our first British film, I think. Yeah. Uh, I have I have chosen for you um, another. Well, it's it's quite a well known film. Um, it's uh, by Wes Craven, and it's Last House on the Left, and I, 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 I don't know. Um, you know, you've you've mentioned a lot of the uh, the characters. Uh, in in um, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have a stellar cast as Peter Cushing and Herbert Lom uh, and Britt Eklund, but you have got Sandra Peabody, uh, Lucy Grantham, uh, David Hess. Uh, Fred J. Lincoln, uh, Jeremy Rain, and Mark Scheffler, to name but a few. Uh, so, yes, <laughs> I, and, and they all look like they might have given up acting in the 70s. All the photographs are very 70s. Oh, I'm quite looking forward to seeing Last House on the Left. But Last House on the Left, I remember I remember when I was a kid uh, seeing that in the video shop uh, in the horror section. That, I always, not get it mixed up, but I always associate it with The Hills Have Eyes as well. Because I remember you used to see the... the um, those two video covers and thinking, oh, yeah. I don't really fancy, don't really fancy getting them out. I'm loving, I'm loving doing this. I have to say, I, I am, I am loving doing this because it reminds me of when I was a kid, uh, when video stores were at their pomp. You know, um, video rental stores. I used to go to, I used to go to Angie's mm. on Scott Lane in Doncaster, which had uh, two floors, um, and used to, if you got out a top title or a recent title, anyway. Uh, you could get out a 99 pence one or a 90 pence one for yeah. free uh, and keep it for two or three days. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, and you'd get, um, uh, you know, go to the horror section. At first I was getting things out like, because we got video uh, recorder quite late on, I think in the mid the mid 80s. And, and a few of our mate, my mates had, had had a video recorder before then. And we started renting out things like, uh, uh, Beastmaster and the Sword and the Sorcerer and lots of lots of really schlocky fantasy. Yeah. Um, so, um, but then then moved on to the horror and I can remember you just go in and and, and there was one uh, I remember um, seeing it was called 
E.T. brackets N, which stood for extraterrestrial nasty. And it was the E.T. was the same lettering as E.T., but the N was like written in blood. And the poster was uh, basically a direct ripoff. Uh, it had the finger, uh, Elliot's finger coming down, or a kid's finger coming down with a starlit background. But rather than um, the, the E.T. hand coming up from the bottom left corner, it was like a bloody mm. claw on a furry hand. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and I remember seeing that. And, you know, my mum was with me, and I remember saying, oh, can I go and look at some of the videos? And she went, yeah, yeah. So I went up to look, and she came up, and she went, don't rent that out. You're not getting that out. It'll give you nightmares. <laughs> so yes, I remember. I remember that very, very clearly. So yeah, that's uh, that. That's that's that, and it's it's brilliant. The other, um, the other, just just quickly, the other thing that I I like about this is is it takes me also equally back to my own um, initial video buying uh, renting ex- experience. In that, it was a completely common thing to go in there, not knowing what you were going to get and um, just pick things from the cover oh that looks like a good cover where where have those days gone oh cover looks alright we'll give it a try, give it a try with no, absolutely no other knowledge apart from literally just the cover right, thank you for joining us again this week and we're back with 1972 so thank you very much for listening again and we'll see you again for another film club next week see you next week for more film club Bye. 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 Bye.